Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The men of the world are in the land of their possession. They've got it. They're happy. The believer's not. The believer's waiting for heaven because he says he's not, not home till I get there. All right, so now we close chapter 36 on these generations of Esau, and frankly, we're tired of it. We're tired of reading about the man of the world and all of his man-centric, atheistic orientation. And now at the last, we come to, okay, you know, we're, we're like uh, running out of breath here, Lord, so we need to come to the generations of God's man, Jacob, finally. And so verse two is really important in the next chapter. Chapter 37, verse two, it's the verse we've been waiting for. These are the generations of Jacob. All right, here come the army of God. Here comes the force that's gonna fight the forces of evil. And so we're ready now for the generations of Jacob. Bring them on, all right? So here comes the generations of Jacob. These are the generations of Jacob. We're reading, Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brethren and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father the evil report. And we, look, we read that, we go, what? <laughs> These are the generations of Jacob. Where are the generations of Jacob? I mean, you know, we're looking around here, we're so, well, I don't see him in this verse here. Why are we reading about a 17-year-old kid who tattles on his brothers? I mean, we're supposed to be reading about the generations of Jacob just like we read about the generations of Esau. They got all their heroes. They got all their dukes. Where's the list of all the heroes of Jacob and his family? I don't get it. Where's the list of all the mighty sons of Jacob? Okay, 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 all right, all right. So, you know, it's just one verse. So look, I gotta read a little farther. I read a little farther and it'll come. I don't really understand this verse. Verse two, these are the generations of Jacob. And then we got an account of a 17-year-old boy named Joseph tattling on his brothers. All right, I mean, I'll just read a little further here. I'll get beyond this 17-year-old boy named Joseph. Okay, let's see. Verse three. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and made a coat for him. Oh, it's still about Joseph. Okay, maybe the next verse. The next verse, we'll get to the generations of Jacob. Let's see. Verse four. When his brethren saw that his father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him, could not speak, speak peaceably unto him. Still about Joseph. Okay, well, maybe the next verse we'll get to the generations of Jacob. Let's see, verse five. Joseph dreamed a dream. He told it to his brethren. They hated him at the more. Still about Joseph. Well, maybe the next verse we'll get to the generation of Jacob. Verse six. He said unto them, here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. Still about Joseph. Okay, maybe the next verse. Verse seven. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood 
roundabout, made obeisance. Still about Joseph. Maybe the next verse, eight. His brethren said unto him, shalt thou indeed reign over us, and shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? They hated him. Yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Still about Joseph. Let me read the next verse. Well, okay, you know, on and on and on and on. All these verses in this chapter, they're all about Joseph. From verse two, we've been looking for the generations of Jacob, and all we read about is this 17-year-old boy named Joseph here, 17-year-old son of Jacob. Where are the generations of Jacob? We were promised it in verse two, and all we read about is a 17-year-old kid named Joseph, and all we can conclude from all this, from verse two, Joseph alone is the generations of Jacob. What? Okay, let, let's see if we can kind of wrap our hands around this a little bit. Why verse two? We're told that we're gonna read about the generations of Jacob, and then all we read about is one person, one out of the 12, Joseph, the 17-year-old named Joseph. The only conclusion that we can come to is that Joseph alone is the generations of Jacob. That's all you can say. Joseph, he looks so young. He's so unimpressive. He's so unlikely, but he's the generations of Jacob. He is. By calling Joseph the generations of Jacob is to say that Jacob's future is dependent on this one person, Joseph. I mean, where this is leading us to is to embrace this all-important statement in verse two, instead of skipping over and say, well, I don't understand what that's in there for. Maybe it was a mistypo or something. <laughs> in verse two, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, stop. These are the generations of Joseph. In a very real sense, this is the most important statement in the book of Genesis. These are the generations of Jacob, Joseph. Now, don't say, you know, well, what is he talking about? You know, I mean, it's like, how can this be the most important thing? You know, it's just like introducing the generations of Jacob, and it's just like a little confusing, right? But stay with me on this. Don't check out, because this statement is so important. This statement in verse two is absolutely critical to understanding the history and the future of the Jewish people. This statement Genesis 37, 2. These are the generations of Jacob, Joseph. Really, to understand what it's saying here in verse two, these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph, is critical to understanding not just the history of the Jewish people, but the history and the future of mankind. That's how important this statement is. Well, when we look at it, verse two, these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph, we see that the continuation of the generations of Jacob is dependent on Joseph because the rest of the book of Genesis is gonna be a history of how the Jewish people will face extinction and annihilation, boy, that's new, from a famine, right? And the famine will mean that there will be no more generations of Joseph, full stop, unless one person saves the Jewish people from famine, and that person will be Joseph. And he will bring the Jewish people down into Egypt and feed them. And the Jewish people would become extinct and annihilated from the famine if there was no Joseph. So we're gonna see in Joseph that he alone 
is responsible for the continuation of the generations of Jacob because he alone saves the family of Jacob from starvation by feeding them and caring for them. So the reason the statement in Genesis 37-2, these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph, is the most important statement in the book of Genesis is because in the life of Joseph, we learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph teaches us about the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph is the most important person, despised and rejected as he was. He's the most important person in the family of Jacob. The Lord Jesus Christ is the most important person in the Jewish people. He is the most important man in the family of all mankind, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 45. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. So is written, the first Adam, the first man Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit, someone who gives life. 1 Corinthians 15, 47. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man, or the Lord Jesus Christ, is the Lord from heaven. So that's why it says in John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So the first point we see from Genesis 37, 2, these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph, is because, the reason it's written is because Joseph was the most important person by far for the family of Jacob, for Jacob's family. Just as the Lord Jesus Christ is the most important man ever born, because he was the Lord from heaven giving eternal life to men. Now, Joseph alone was the life giver that rescued Jacob from starvation when Joseph will say later, and I want you this, you gotta turn to this in Genesis 45, 5. Genesis 45, 5. You gotta turn to this because what Joseph says here in his first words to his reconciled brothers, when they couldn't even speak, they were paralyzed with fear. In his first words to his reconciled brothers, Joseph says remarkable things in Genesis 45.5, four to Genesis 45.5. So follow along here, Genesis 45.5, where Joseph speaks about himself. God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing or airing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye and go up to my father and say unto him, thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, thy children's children, thy flocks, thy herds, and all thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. Now, this passage, this, this, what Joseph said here, it clarifies for us why Genesis 37.2 is the most important statement of the book of Genesis, these are the generations 
of Jacob, Joseph. Because in this passage of Genesis 45, here where we are, Genesis 45, 5, Joseph clearly saw 10 points which make Joseph's life a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. These 10 points that he saw in Genesis 45 about Joseph's life, it teaches us who the Lord Jesus Christ is. These 10 points in the life of Joseph are all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're so important that the whole rest of the book of Genesis is all about Joseph. It's all about Joseph. Joseph takes center stage in the book of Genesis from here on out. And we could say, okay, okay, I think I'm gonna search the scriptures about Joseph to find eternal life. And what we're gonna find is that the scriptures about Joseph are they that testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 5, 39, search the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. And it's these 10 essential points that Joseph saw that testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here are the 10 points. First, you look at Genesis 45, 5, and Joseph saw clearly the purpose of his life when he said, God did send me before you to preserve life. Joseph saw clearly that he had been sent by God to save life or to preserve life. He saw, Joseph saw, he looked at his life, he saw, he said, my life, my life is all about life, life, life. You know, that's my life, is all about life. He was sent by God to save life. That was the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to earth, and he said so clearly in John 10.10, the thief cometh not but for to kill, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, they might have it more abundantly. John 3.17, right after John 3.16, he said, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In John 12, 47, he said, I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. And of course, his mission statement in Luke 19, 10, Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So point number one, Joseph was sent to save life to teach us that the Lord Jesus Christ was sent to save life, all right? Point number two, Look at, at verse seven, Genesis 45, seven. He saw clearly, he said he had been sent by God to preserve you a posterity in the earth. Or put in another way, Genesis 45, seven, Joseph saw clearly that his calling was to make possible future generations of Jacob. So it could be said, Genesis 37, two, these are the generations of Joseph. Joseph saw that his life was to save the people of Israel so that there could be future generations of the Jewish people. That was the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Simeon took take the baby in Luke 2.34, Luke 2.34, it says, Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, behold, this child is for the, the fallen rising again of many in Israel and for a sign that shall be spoken against. Acts 5.31 him, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. It's Jehovah Jesus. That's who he's talking about. It's Jehovah Jesus who spoke 
in Jeremiah 33, 25. Jeremiah 33, 25. Thus saith the Lord, if my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then I'll cast away the seed of Jacob. In Psalm 137, 5, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. So point number two, Joseph alone preserved the continuation of the Jewish people to teach us that the Lord Jesus Christ alone preserves the continuation of the Jewish people. You Jewish people look at their history and they say, boy, I guess we're better than we thought we were. That's what they say, right? But no, it's the Lord Jesus Christ is better than they thought they were, than he was. Okay, number three. You look in verse four, seven there again, Genesis 45, seven. Joseph saw clearly that he was gonna save the lives by a great deliverance, to save your lives by a great deliverance. He saw he was the deliverer. He was the deliverer from death. That's the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the deliverer from death. As it says in Hebrews 2.14, Hebrews 2.14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And then Paul's making this big point to the Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians 1.10, 2 Corinthians 1.10, when he said about the Lord Jesus Christ, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Delivered, deliver, will deliver. He's the deliverer. Point three, Joseph delivered from death to teach us that the Lord Jesus Christ does that. He delivers from death. Now you look at verse nine, Genesis 45, nine, point four. Joseph saw clearly that there was an urgency to all this. There was an urgency to respond to his invitation. Joseph made an invitation, there was an urgency. And so he said, haste ye, hurry up, haste ye, and go up to my father and say unto him, thus saith thy son Joseph. I love this phrase I learned in Japan. They say it all the time. They used to say it to me all the time because I was so slow. They used to say, time is limited, time is limited. And so time was limited. Joseph was saying, time is limited. Haste ye. Joseph understood there was no time to waste. His message to come and to be saved from death had to be responded to now. And the same is true about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an urgency to respond to the gospel message to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved now, as it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he saith, I've heard thee in a time accepted, and in the time of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the same as Joseph saying, haste ye. See, in Luke nineteen forty two, the Lord saying to Israel, he said, if thou hadst known even thou, at least in this thy day, that means today, in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. See, the time to respond to the gospel is this thy day. It's now. That's the same as Joseph saying, haste ye. And in Hebrews 4, 7, in Hebrews 4, 7, 
You know, remember I told you Japan said time is limited, time is limited. And Hebrews 4, 7, again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. God limits a certain day called today to hear the gospel voice, uh, to hear the gospel, and come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Otherwise, the heart will be hardened. That is the same as Joseph saying, hasty. See, point four is the hasty urgency to respond to Joseph's invitation to be saved teaches us the urgency of responding to the gospel invitation of the Lord Jesus. All right, fifth, in Genesis 45, nine, you see Genesis 45, nine, Joseph saw clearly that he had to send others to carry his message of invitation to be saved. And he said to his brothers, haste ye and go up to my father and say unto him, thus saith thy son Joseph. See, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. He sent others to carry his gospel message to be saved. When he said in John 20, 21, then Jesus said again unto them, peace be unto you, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. And Matthew 28, 18, Matthew 28, 18, of course, the Great Commission, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then Paul, drawing on this, says, he says, look at yourself again in 2 Corinthians 5.20, 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ that be you reconciled to God. And in Romans 10, 15, Romans 10, 15, spoken in the context to the Jewish people, Romans 9, 10, 11 is all about the Jewish people. To the Jewish people, in Romans 10, 15, he asked the question, how shall they preach unless they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them which preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So this fifth point is, Joseph sent messengers with his invitation to be saved as the Lord Jesus Christ sends us as his messengers with his gospel invitation to be saved. Six, look at verse nine, Genesis 45, nine. Joseph saw clearly that before the message of salvation, before the message of deliverance, before the message of preservation of life, had to be a message received that he was Lord over all Egypt. When Joseph said, here's your message, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. See, before giving the invitation to be saved, Joseph gave the announcement that he was Lord over all Egypt. The truth that Joseph was Lord of all Egypt, it had to be accepted before the invitation to be saved. That's true of the Lord Jesus Christ. The message that Jesus is God has to be believed before accepting the gospel invitation to be saved, which is why nothing was said to Paul about being saved or forgiven or cleansed or anything like that when he first encountered the Lord until he first understood that Jesus was God. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.